0: You know, the story of the prodigal son has reached almost legendary status. Most people, whether they're believers or non-believers, can generally give you the story outline of the prodigal son. Let me, uh, let me just kind of walk us back through it and make sure that we have it all in, our, uh, all in our minds. It's a very simple story. It's about a father who had a family business, and he had a family. He had two sons. The older son was the son that everybody wanted, He is the son that went out and took care of the place. He was full of responsibility, understood duty. He took care of things. He was very settled. He was very secure. He handled the place. His dad handed it over to him. He was very aware that one day he would receive the whole place. The younger son, not so. Does anybody know about that younger son? He always had his mind out someplace else. He, he was the one that most employers say he's always looking for his day off and the paycheck. He always was looking to the far country, to that distant land. He always was dreaming. He was, he was, un, he was restless. One day his restlessness got the best of him. And he went in and had a conversation with his dad that literally disrespected his dad. It, it went something like this. Don't be offended. Dad, I really can't wait for you to die. (laughs) You're really too healthy. You're going to live too long. I want my part of the estate now so that I can do what I want to with it. Now, you can imagine the dad was brokenhearted, and yet he did divide the estate out, and the boy took off for that distant land, that far country found himself ultimately in a pig pen having to come back home. It's 233 years ago that this nation, the leaders of this nation, declared their independence. Now, despite revisionist history, there is monumental evidence that all of our forefathers had a deep and an abiding faith in Jehovah God. In fact, if you look at the end of the Declaration of Independence, these are the this is the last sentence. With a divine, with a reliance on the, the divine Creator, we pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. In fact, if you want to go so far as to look through history, you find that all, most all the presidents of this country, people you wouldn't think of, and I'll just name a few of them, Washington, Lincoln, Harding, Truman, uh, Garland, Clinton, Bush, Reagan, all had their speeches sprinkled with, the, with divine scripture because these men sitting in that chair understood where their real authority came from, and it was from the God of the Bible. Now, today when our leaders stand and speak, they can speak about religious things as long as they're not Christian. You know, they can speak about religious things and even irreligious things, and they're fine. But you let them start sprinkling some... Some Christianity, some biblical scripture into their text, and all of a sudden you find them in trouble. <coughs> separationists will say, "Here's the thing. you know about that wall of separation between the church and the government, which is never stated neither in the Constitution or in the uh, uh, Declaration of Independence, is written in a letter from, as I recall, uh, uh, Jefferson. It may have been Adams that talked about the wall of separation. But here's what I want you to get today. Remember this statement, because I believe it is historically sound. Our forefathers wanted to keep the government out of the church, but nowhere did they write down that they wanted to keep the church out of the government. Because the only way that we would have a just nation would be to have Jehovah God watching over us. And the whole thing centers around freedom. What does it mean to be free? This morning I want to take the story of the uh, prodigal son and our country and kind of compare them a little bit. Learn from the the prodigal son what it means to be free. So let's move forward and let's look at here, and I'm going to offer you two thoughts. You can write them down on the back of your bulletin. We begin with the life of the prodigal. The life of the prodigal. Now, we do not have to, in, in Alabama, Think about the life of the prodigal. We're very familiar with these family businesses where the father's the patriarch, where the family all does their part. I have, uh, my daddy and my mom both had six siblings. Now we don't have, they don't have that many left, but they had six siblings. And during the time the kids were, were, uh, being raised, those six siblings worked in the family business. Hello? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We got all white here tonight today. We know. Mom and Dad had a well, almost all whiteheads. We got a few. Johnny, don't point like that, man. You're getting white. You look like you got you better walk through a snowstorm, all right? <clears throat> but the point being is that we know about that about that type of business. In the father's house in uh, Luke eleven. The two boys and the family members worked alongside the servants and the employees, as we would term them, to make sure that the business ran well. They were not called on to build a business. They were called on to provide and protect for the business. They provided the labor and they protected the business so that nothing else would come in from outside and destroy it. Brothers and sisters, that's where we are as citizens in this country today. We have not been asked to write a constitution. We have not been asked to give our lives that we can set up freedom. What we have been asked to do is we have been asked to provide for this country good leadership on the same foundation that our forefathers brought it on, and then protect it. And that's what our men and women are literally giving their lives for in Afghanistan and Iraq today. Giving their lives to protect freedom. 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 I think about the prodigal son and the freedom that he had in the father's house. I think about the American citizens and the freedom that we have. In fact, that provide and protect is what the Father expected of His sons. It is what this nation expects of her citizens. And it is what the Heavenly Father expects of His children. I want to look at this freedom that the young man had. Let's begin talking about the scope of his freedom the scope of his freedom. In the father's house, he could do just about whatever he wanted to because he had sonship. In the father's house, he had very few restrictions. In fact, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of the first couple. Now, I'm not talking about Hussein Obama and his wife, Michelle. I'm talking about Adam and Eve. God put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, you can have the run of the garden. Oh, there's one thing you can't do, but look at all the stuff you can do. That's exactly what the freedom was to the prodigal son. And yet, the prodigal son, like the first couple, had no idea, had no idea what it took to gain that freedom. In the father's house... Where that younger son lived the family business was probably a number of years old. they didn't know what it he didn't realize what it took. Do you realize that in our America today that we don't realize really what it takes? We don't realize what it took for our forefathers to set up this nation hey, did you did you catch that statement the last one in the Declaration of Independence with a firm reliance on divine protection we we commit to each other our lives you think america would be a little different today if we committed to each other our lives our fortunes everything we have men lost their wealth in that we might have freedom today our sacred honor you see the scope of the freedom that we have today is immense because the price has been paid. And when we don't realize, when, when, when we kind of miss how much the freedom cost us, or better said the free, that freedom costs that we, can ha- that we can be free, then we are taken, as the young son was, by the snare of his freedom. By the snare of his freedom. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Most of us here do not really visualize. There are some because we're, maybe, we're a little older congregation. But most of us do not realize what our freedom cost us. You know, over the last six or eight weeks this year, I've been called to Florida and South Mississippi to do a number of funerals. One of the funerals I did was for a man named Frank Swanner. Frank Swanner landed on Normandy Beach. After Saving Private Ryan came out, and there was such a a discussion about that opening scene in Private Ryan as they invaded Normandy. And for the first time, and, and, and we may have some men here who were there, For the first time, we saw a realistic view of what that that landing was like. We saw that men did not make it out of the boat because they were cut down as they tried to invade the the beach. There was no getting up and running around on Normandy's beach. You would crawl an inch at a time. I remember talking to Frank about that, and he said, You know, Jerry, he told me a couple of things that really stuck in my mind. He said, You know, Jerry, he said, A lot of the men never made it out of the boat. They got shot and fell in the water, and with all the equipment they had on, they just didn't have enough strength to get to land, and they drowned. He said, I remember one, one young man being wounded, and I drug him to the beach. Don't know whether he made it or not, so we just all looked out after each other. I think about Normandy Beach and the blood that ran free on Normandy Beach, and it is that blood that bought our freedom. And when we don't understand what our freedom cost us, then we begin to take it for granted, the snare of our freedom. You know what bothers me about, about all of this? The prodigal son never realized how bad he had it. What bad decision he made until he was in the pig pen. Until he was eating the slop. You know my fear? My fear is that America is going to have to bottom out and go to the pig pen and eat slop before we realize the snare that has caught us. But it is in the pig pen where the prodigal son realized the source of his freedom. The source of his freedom. You know what he was doing? He was there literally sticking his hand down in a slop bucket. I don't know if you've ever slopped pigs. I have. That's mess. I can't even imagine putting my hand in what they eat, let alone bringing it up to my mouth. Here's what I'll tell you. He learned some things in the pig pen. You know what he learned in the pig pen? Oh, we'll get to that in a second. When we think about the source of his freedom, it was in the pig pen as he was eating that slop that he remembered who gave him freedom. He remembered the father's house. He remembered the the slaves, the workers. He remembered that he had freedom. Now, I will tell you this. I read a message the other day talking about this freedom. And the message talked about we have freedom of, freedom from, and freedom for. We have, if you go to the beginning of our country, we have uh, freedom of. We call that the Bill of Rights. We have the freedom of press. We have the freedom of religion. We have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom of assembly. The list goes on. That's in the beginning, nation. But then we have the freedom from. As long as we deal right, as long as we live upright and outstanding lives and understand where our freedom came from, protect that institution, we have freedom from tyranny and oppression. But then we have freedom for. And what we're called to do is to protect the freedom that God has so graciously given us as this country. I'm reminded of my first conversation with my dad about World War II. He was telling me about uh, Pearl Harbor. And I said, well, how do they get people in service? He said, oh, son, the next week all the men went and volunteered. We were t- attacked unprovoked. I suffered through the, um, I have to confess my sin to you. I suffered through the foul language that I heard yesterday To watch the movie Pearl Harbor. You know, I guess before that movie came out, I knew a lot of folks got killed at Pearl Harbor, but I was thinking they got killed by bombs. Until I saw that movie, it never really occurred to me that men drowned because they couldn't get out. It never occurred to me about how vicious that attack really was. And yet we forget sometimes that those men in Pearl Harbor, now the men and women on the battlefield, they don't come home. It's over. And it's over for them so that it can go on for you and me. You see, the source of our freedom as a country is the price of innocent blood, those soldiers that Johnny sang about. The price of our spiritual freedom is still innocent blood. It is the blood of our Savior and Lord who gave his life on Calvary's cross. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And oh, by the way, I am the truth. The source of our freedom. George Washington said it this way. He said, Our Constitution is only good... I'm not going to quote him verbatim. I'm just going to paraphrase It is only good to govern a good and righteous people. It's inadequate for anybody else. Alec de Tocqueville came to our country. and He said, "...the genius of this country is their righteousness. America will only be great as long as she is good, but when she is no longer good, she will no longer be great." I fear that we're seeing our foundation crumble from beneath us. From the life of the prodigal, we find him that he began with the promise of a great life in the father's house. He went to the far country where it looked better, and he wound up in a pig pen. And then he came back to the palace and regained his freedom. seems to me from his life that we learned something about America. Well, we began strong. And I'll say this because I remember back to the bicentennial 17, uh, 1976. It seemed to me that we were still pretty strong at that time. But these last 30 plus years, it seems that with every presidential election, every congressional election, every court decision, that our culture and our country is losing her way. It seems to me that we've cast our sail to a contrary wind. It's a contrary because it's taken us right away from God. We've dismissed God from our public life. We've dismissed God from the public arena. We've dismissed God from our courts. We've dismissed God from our country. We've dismissed God from our Congress. And we wonder why things Are going crazy. You see. The prodigal. His life. His life. Is an open book for us. So I want to move from the life. Of the prodigal. To the lessons from the prodigal. The prodigal learned a lot of stuff. But you know where he learned it? (laughs) Now listen. He learned it in the far country. He learned it in the pig pen. Why is it that we human beings are so hard-headed that we have to get laying down before we'll ever look up? You know what he learned in the pig pen Uh, in the far country? Let, Let me just let's think of a couple of things that he learned. He learned that money might buy you friends, but it can't buy you happiness. He learned that if you get hungry enough, there is no telling what you might eat. Do you know what I think he learned? I think the overriding principle that he learned was he learned where his freedom really lay. Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. It's not in the Bible. But I believe if that young son was anything like us young people when we were young, when he got his part of the inheritance and he walked out of his dad's house And he went down the road. I think he was thinking, I'm free. My dad don't tell me what to do. Nobody tells me what to do. I've got it made. I've got a life that's going to be loose and lax and loving and fun. And you know what he found out? He found out that he was destined to walk in bondage. He walked in bondage to that money. He walked in bondage to that immorality and he faced certain failure to the point that he wound up in the pig pen. The prodigal son enjoyed the freedom of his dad. He didn't know what it took to get him there. But I'm in very quick, rapid order. Let me, just, let me just tell you three principles along this track that I think will help us today as we get to the practical part of this. First thing is, he forgot his freedom. Oh, yeah, he was free at the Father's house, like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. could go and do whatever he wanted to. In the manner of that culture, he had a great life. He didn't have to worry about where his food was from. He, he just did his chores and he could go take care of life, just whatever he wanted to do. And he forgot how free he, free he was. Here's what I will say to us. I think we've forgotten in this country how free we are. We have forgotten that our freedom, that our rights end where someone else has begun. In fact, I mentioned a while ago the the Bill of Rights, that freedom of. I read one man said, we don't just need a Bill of Rights, we need to go back and get a Bill of Responsibilities. Because you see, every time we have a freedom, there is an accompanying responsibility for it. He forgot how free he was in the Father's house, and I wonder if we forget how free we are in the Father's house. And he got so taken with what was out there, the grass greener concept, just over the fence. He got so taken with the far country that not only did he forget his freedom, he forsook his freedom. He walked away. He went to that place called the far country. Now I want to just pause a second to say Spiritually, Are you satisfied in the Father's house or have you journeyed out to the far country? If there's ever been a time you invited Christ into your life then you're a part of the Father's house and He has rights to give you freedoms that He offers you, but responsibilities that He expects of you. And when we do not fulfill those responsibilities, it literally means that we have said, you know what, I want mine now, and I am going to go out to the far country just like the prodigal son. Are you in the far country today? Don't forget where your freedom came from. Don't forget who it was that touched you and made you free. Don't walk away from the Father's house. The prodigal son, he forgot his freedom, forgot what it was. He forsook his freedom. He ran away from it. And in the pig pen, and in the pig pen, he found his freedom. Now, if you will give me your eyes, some of your writing, and I'm gonna let you finish, and you give me your eyes just for the last few minutes. Here's what I'll say to you. In the pig pen he thought, You know what? The guys in my father's house have it better than this. What was I thinking when I thought I knew better than my father? You know what? This country has seemingly walked diametrically opposed to what Scripture teaches and our founding fathers believed. And we wonder why. We wonder why our freedoms are disappearing. Well, Brother Jerry, I don't believe our freedoms are disappearing. Here we are this morning. I started to bring us a whole load of videos. You will be surprised if you're not keeping up with it about how religious freedom is being impacted today. Santa Rosa County, Florida, Milton, Florida, less than 4 hours from here. Principal attended a baccalaureate service this year at the risk of his job the school board said you go, your job will be in jeopardy. We can go to California. We can go to Alabama. Time and again, the government has taken our Lord out of the public arena. Now, Brother Jerry, what does that have to do with our freedom? What does it have to do with anything? Here's what I will tell you. Before this country... Gets out of the pig pen and gets on the right road, it's going to take one heart at a time, one mind at a time, to come back to the Father's house. Now I ask you, you don't have to tell me, but I'm asking that you can answer in your heart Are you in the Father's house? Or have you journeyed off to the far country? If you're in the far country, have you made it all the way to the pig pen yet? If you hadn't, you'll get there. Because as sure as we go off to a far country, a famine's going to come and take away everything that we hold sacred. Don't forget where your country's freedom really came from. And don't forget where your spiritual freedom comes from. Let us not ever